morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome to another episode of The Voice of the Valley. I am your host, Jeremy Pinch, and with me today I have Pastor John Schubert and Pastor Rick Whitmer. And today we're going to be talking about something that is widely popular and incredibly prevalent in today's Christianity. And it's this idea that if I speak something in the name of Jesus, that I will have more authority and power in what I'm saying. So if I say something in the name of Jesus, that I will have more power and authority in what I say. And to get this discussion started, I'm going to read something from the book of Acts, starting in chapter 3. And to set this up, Pentecost has happened, the church is growing, Uh, Peter and John are going up to the temple, and they come across this man who's been born lame, and he's asking them for money. Peter then looks at him, and he says this, starting in chapter 3, verse 6, he says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And what happens is this man who's been born lame rises and walks. He's been healed of his infirmities. But this phrase, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, is used to this day. So does this phrase give us validation? Can, can we use this phrase today? Or, uh, in other words, Rick, does this phrase give us more power in what we are saying? You know, this this idea of praying or speaking in the name of Jesus is something that that Jesus taught as far as prayer is concerned. He says, anything you ask in my name, um, I will do. And we have to get back to the intent of that. That's the whole point, right? Is is what did Jesus mean by that? What was Peter doing here? It's it's a mistake um, to think that the power comes from using specific words. Um, That has more to do with uh, magical incantation than it does with biblical Christianity. Um, Because any time we take uh, vital spiritual union with the Lord Jesus and all that that entails and boil it down to some simple words, um, we leave behind uh, the scriptural grounds that we have for whatever it is that's going on, and we and we and we mistakenly identify power as coming from specific words. The power is in who Christ is, um, the living, risen Lord who who's sitting at the Father's right hand. Uh, that's where Jesus was when Peter was speaking with this man. And uh, you know, I think we're going to get into it a little bit later. This idea of of praying and asking in the name of Jesus, but. W- here in Acts, um, something unique is happening in the in the age of the church. It's just beginning. The church has just been born at Pentecost, and all throughout Acts, we have accounts of the apostles doing miracles, uh, exercising gifts of healing, and other things that, as a church, um, we do not believe translate into a, a, an apples-to-apples correlation today um, because of the unique circumstances of what God was doing in the church at that time. So does what Peter's doing here in um, 
manifesting uh, an evidence of the truthfulness of the gospel that has just been believed by thousands of people in Jerusalem, showing and authenticating um, this new faith, which isn't new at all, but is in fact a continuation of all that the prophets had said would come about um, in Jesus Christ, is that warrant for Christians today to, let's say, walk into a hospital and, and, and say to whomever is there, in the name of Jesus, be healed? Um, we would say no, um, because if it was, then we all of us ought to not be podcasting right now. We ought to be down at Virginia Mason Memorial doing good things. Um, but we are here podcasting because this isn't, you know, that's not a given that, that just because Peter did that, therefore we are called to go do that or that doing that would even work. Um, Peter's doing something specific here and I'll let John, uh, comment a little more on that. Well, I think you've covered it pretty well, Rick. I just, I think I would just want to reemphasize, um, what the apostles were doing when they were healing people. Um, it, it wasn't a, a show of some kind of personal strength. It wasn't a, uh, an attempt to be recognized. Um, the idea, and Rick alluded to it, was the um, communicating the, the truth of the gospel. So the, the signs of the book of Acts were given by Christ to his apostles for that time period in the early church to... Um, confirm the authority of the gospel message to the Jewish people. And so um, when you read in Acts of signs and wonders, they weren't just random signs and wonders because, you know, the, you know, someone got excited or someone got bored or someone got sick. You know, it was intentionally connected to the gospel. If You know, if you keep reading through Acts 3, in the passage you just read, Jeremy, you'll notice that a crowd gathered and they preached the gospel. And that happens every time in the book of Acts when you see a miraculous work taking place. There's a, a work and then the gospel is presented. And that was the point. It was, it was, it was so that the people standing around, um, would, their attention would be grabbed and because of the power of the situation, um, be assured that what was happening was from God because man can't do this. Uh, man can't heal the blind. Man can't raise the dead. And these kind of things were happening, um, and the apostles were doing them. Um, but it was, for, it was to confirm the gospel. It wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a recipe for the rest of Christians who follow to you know, create some, some great uh, feat or anything like that. It, it was um, very specific. You know, um, that reminded me as you were talking of what uh, the author of Hebrews says in the second chapter when he's talking about this salvation, and he's urging his readers, don't neglect this great salvation. And then he says um, in verses 3 and 4 of, of Hebrews 2, it was declared at first by the Lord. So this great salvation was declared by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. And, and Peter was one of those who heard, one of the first while God also bore witness to the salvation, okay? So, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And so, we're seeing Peter exercising a healing ministry as a witness 
of this salvation, um, which was being authenticated. And at this point in church history, it has been well authenticated. It was well authenticated by the time the scriptures were completed at the end of the first century when John wrote Revelation. And so the function of those signs and miracles have ceased in their urgency. And to answer your question plainly, is there power in the name of Jesus? Yes. Does what Peter's doing here give us a basis to go around using words and expecting um, the same results? No. We have to ask what is, you know, where, what's being done with the name of Jesus. And, and really what we're talking about is walking in intimacy with the Lord and doing his will. That's where we ought to be focusing, not on using a formula. If you look down to verse 16, um, you know, when they had to stand um, before the leaders, they were had to explain how it happened. And, and they said, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man the perfect health in the presence of all. So there again is the focus on Christ, not on the use of his name. Mm. It's the focus on faith in Christ, not some kind of magical, like Rick said, faith in some name. You know, if you say this name just right, well, the, these people weren't saying Jesus. It was, they, they had the, you know, his Hebrew name, and, and it wasn't Jesus. So, I think that's important to keep in mind the purpose behind the use of the name. I mean, we, we don't even have to look outside the book of Acts to see this come into what happens when people try to indiscriminately use the name of Jesus just because, oh, it's the name of Jesus. The sons of Sceva, the Jewish priest, um, got chased out um, by a demon and were beaten and bloodied and naked you know, because they tried to use the name of Jesus apart from knowing Jesus. Um, and that's what we, that's, that's more of what we should expect when we're just using a formula just for the sake of getting what we want. Yeah, there's a, there's a popular song a few years ago um, that I, I personally knew <laughs> very well uh, coming out of the charismatic movement. And, and it went like this. These, these are the lyrics, and it says, There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. You said that three times. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm just repeating the lyrics oh, here. I'm, sorry. I'm just okay. repeating the lyrics. Okay. Uh, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. Three more. Well, there's three more. To break every chain, to break every chain, to okay. break every chain. So, so there's two ideas here. There is two ideas. So if I hear what you're saying, <laughs> <laughs> there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. That's what I. That's yeah. what I got from. I've yeah. got that. So, I've got that. Okay. Thank you. And what's your question? So the question is, <laughs> the question is, into in today's society, especially among um, the the prosperity gospel, the name it and claim it gospel, this idea of proclaiming the name of Jesus seems to be so prevalent. In the name of Jesus, I declare myself to be more wealthy, or I declare myself to be free from my addiction. Why is this... Or healed, healed of cancer, healed or whatever. Healed of cancer, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So why, why is this idea so prevalent in today's Christianity? Well... Because we like to have our own way, 
And if there's a formula that we can use to get our own way, why not? Right? Isn't that the thinking? Um, I, I, of course, I think we've already addressed the um, the untruth of that approach to the use of the name of Christ. But there is power in the name of Christ, and there is power in claiming the name of Christ. Um, and we see that all over Scripture. I mean, you you look at um, the instructions of Christ in the book of John about praying in his name. You know, you, you, you look at what Peter and John said to the Sanhedrin um, in Acts chapter 4, there is salvation in no other name um, given among men whereby we must be saved. So the only name by which we can be saved is Jesus Christ. And if that, that's the most powerful thing. That's way more powerful than curing cancer or throwing out demons. Um, having your soul eternally saved, that's pretty powerful. It, it, it's more powerful than sin. It's more powerful than any corruption that sin creates. So it is certainly powerful. And that is the sense in which I think we need to focus on using that name. Not on, you know, breaking every chain, breaking every chain, breaking every chain. Um, so uh, I, I think that there... Here's one thing I think we need to make sure people hear. We're not saying that Jesus doesn't heal people mm-hmm. and that Jesus doesn't cast out demons or uh, cure you know, sickness or depression or whatever. We're not saying that because we do. We believe that he does do that regularly, and sometimes he does it miraculously. Sometimes he does it through the wisdom of doctors and the skill of doctors. But, but the healing that that we experience from our our sicknesses and diseases uh, is certainly something that that you know God should get the credit for. But to to claim something because you want it is the opposite of what Jesus meant when he said, if you pray in my name. He said, if you pray in my name. In other words, if you agree with my will, that's what he meant when he said that in the book of John. It's not like, now you make up your will and just tack on my name to it and we'll be good. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what Jesus meant. That's not what any of the apostles meant when they used the name of Christ. The glory always went to Christ. They always submitted to the will of God in Christ. And so I think that's need to be it need to keep kept in mind when you start thinking about these kind of things, singing these kind of songs. Because there, I have no issue with any of these lyrics. These lyrics are true. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. It was, it was through Christ in His power. I believe that that slavery was abolished in England as Christians labored sacrificially. Um, to end something that grieved God's heart, but they didn't go around. They didn't marching around Parliament seven times, saying in the name of Jesus, abolish slavery. It was it was a painful, brutal battle um, that was motivated by gospel truth. Um, it is in Christ that that my my kids and I were healed of a cold last week, and I'm grateful. I thank Him for that. Um, but we didn't sit there at family worship and say, in the name of Jesus, we command this cold to leave. Um, you know, the power of Jesus is displayed when sin is overcome, like John said, um, when spiritually dead people are raised to life. And 
you know, I, the reason that it's so tempting is because of something. I, I think that I had a counseling professor that used to be fond of saying, life is hard and then you die. And that's true. Um, life is hard and then you die. And on the way, if we can get some shred of hope by, by thinking that by doing certain things that really don't cost us much, we can remedy our situation. Um, who doesn't want that? The power of the name and claim it movement among millions, the reason the charismatic movement and the Pentecostal movement is, is the quickest uh, international church that is growing is because, you know, as John Piper has said before, you don't need Christ to want what that's offering. You don't need to mortify sin in order to want your sicknesses to be healed, your dead ones to be raised. Or your wealth to grow. Your wealth to grow. Um, Christ offers us death to self and life through him. That's why he said, you know, I just taught this passage, uh, John eleven seventeen through 27, this last weekend. And something Jesus says in there is, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He says to Martha. And the fact is, he says, though he die, you know, though our bodies waste away, yet we shall have life. And yes, it is through the name of Jesus that one day every tear will be wiped away and every sickness will be gone. But we, we long for that day and we pray, come Lord Jesus, because we know that it's going to be at his return when he establishes his kingdom that this happens. And until then, we labor you know, every day in the mundane things like prayer and in the sharing of the gospel and the preaching of the word and struggling in sanctification. That's what brings glory to Jesus, and that's what happens through his name, is those things actually see results <laughs> by his grace. So, John, I, I, I want to go back to something that you were saying, is when we, when we look at the Gospels, when we look at the work and miracles that Christ is doing, I think it's, it can be easy for us to get sidetracked on the miracles themselves, right? And they sure. they are they are miraculous. That's why they're yeah. called miracles. Um, but I, I think specifically of the paralyzed man that <laughs> the paralyzed man that is carried into uh, is lowered down through the roof. Yeah, and he Christ says, "My son, your your sins are forgiven." Mm-hmm. Um, why, especially that that particular passage? Why is that? Um, so amazing to focus on that that aspect of it. He, he doesn't say, now, son, be healed. First, he says, son, your, your sins are forgiven. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting story. Um, and the focus is of all those stories in the gospel, of course, is Christ and his deity and Christ and his power, Christ and his kingdom. Um, and that particular story, uh, Jesus was trying to establish his deity um, in the eyes of the Jewish leaders. If you remember, as soon as he said, uh, son, your sins are forgiven, uh, Mark records the thoughts of the Jewish leaders. So Jesus knew what they were thinking. He may even say that. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, asked them, what is easier, to forgive sins or to tell this man to rise, raise up and walk? And so Mark was wanting to establish what Jesus was doing in that place and time, which was to establish his deity, to establish his messiahship. 
um, the people of Israel believed that the Messiah would be divine. And so he was establishing that fact. I am divine. I know this. I know your thoughts. I, and not only do I know your thoughts, I have the power to forgive sin. And to show you these two things, that I know your thoughts and the power to forgive sin, hey, buddy, get up and walk. Mm-hmm. This guy that has never walked in his life. And so, and it, and it had its desired end. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was praising God immediately. The Pharisees and uh, religious leaders were put in their place, and Jesus was esteemed, and his name and renown began to spread. So there was a purpose. Yeah. There was always a purpose in Jesus' miracles and the miracles of the apostles in the book of Acts. There was, it was never done to entertain. It was never done to accomplish personal agendas or you know, make life comfortable uh, for anyone involved. It, there was always a divine uh, reason behind the um, act that was performed. Yeah, it's such a such an awesome picture of of Christ's deity, of him healing the man of his sins, and yeah. then then healing him and reading the mind, proving of him. it. Yeah, yeah. I I, I just uh, got through reading the story of of the in Matthew where uh, the the religious leaders were asking Jesus to trying to tra- trap him about you know paying taxes to Caesar, is that appropriate and he says, you know, he went through the the show me the coin thing and whose whose insignia is on this coin and, and you know, render to Caesar's what is Caesar's and to God's what is God. But so that you're not offended. And he says this in front of everybody, including he goes, Peter, go down to the water, catch a fish in his mouth, you'll find two coins, bring them here and I'll pay my tax. <laughs> I wish I could have been there on that one. I mean, talk about uh, in your face undeniable act of divinity you know (laughs) what are the chances of catching a fish with two coins in his mouth you know so pretty impressive I think that so often um, the focus on miracles today even for you know the sake of the gospel let's 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 say that that's assumed that somebody says yes I'm seeking the miracle so that I have a platform to preach Christ so I have the same motive as the apostles. So yes, I have the same grounds to use that phrase in the name of Jesus and expect people to get up who are lame or people who are diseased to be healed. And again, not saying that God doesn't heal people who are diseased. He does. Um, but we're talking about this idea of going and claiming that. It makes me think of um, the parable that Jesus told about um, Lazarus and the rich man. And the rich man ends up in hell. And calling out to Abraham and saying, please just send um, send someone back from the dead to my brothers um, so, that they'll, so that they'll believe when they see this miracle. And it's so telling. He says, if, um, if they won't believe Moses and the prophets, in other words, if they won't believe the Bible, they won't believe even if somebody comes back from the dead. This miracle of miracles, resurrection, won't convince anybody if they won't believe Moses and the prophets. And so the fact is, we have the scriptures. We have every basis to go and preach the gospel and expect God to do great things. Um, 
because no amount of miracles is going to right. surpass the scriptures. Right, and we don't have to the divine origin of those we don't. scriptures. Mm-mm. That's been done. Yeah. Uh, which is what the book of Acts is about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so right. yeah, and Jesus' ministry was about mm-hmm. establishing his, his place on this planet as the Savior of the world. Um, Jesus is, is the one who will save his people from their sins. That was established in the Gospels. The affirmation of his gospel was shown in Luke through the miracles. And so then when these apostles, including Paul, began to write, it came from a position of established authority. Yeah. It was already done. Right. So and we you know, we believe in the sufficiency of scripture. And all of that testifies that there is power in the name of Jesus, and it will come through the means that Jesus has established in his word to to continue doing his work until he returns. But that's not to say that we don't believe in modern-day miracles. Absolutely. No, we, we experience them regularly. Oh, sure. Uh, especially when someone comes to Christ by faith. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a, a first-class miracle, mm-hmm. and it happens regularly. You know, and there's also others, like we mentioned earlier, in the, you know, cancer healings and marriages repaired and all these things that, you know, require a hand of God. So, John, you, you already hinted at this passage, but John, John 14, 13 says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Mm-hmm. Whatever you ask in my name, how has this passage been abused over the past century? I think we've already we've already hinted on this, but even in our own circle, there may be this idea of um, if I don't tag in the name of Jesus, Amen, at the end of my prayer, that it may not be heard. Right. So if I am praying over my meal, I ask Lord bless this meal to my body, Amen. But if I don't ask, you know. In, in, the Jesus name, name. in Jesus' name, amen, that it won't be healed, and then yeah. I'll get an E. coli, and, yeah. and I'll die. Yeah. That kind of stuff. So, well, I believe that. I think that's quite <laughs> <my> true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, uh, I hear what the question is. I think I know what you mean. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of, of Christians, well-meaning Christians, um, solid Christians, use that tag on the end of their prayers in Jesus' name, amen, by habit, mm. more than by theological reflection. And I, I, I catch myself doing that. Sometimes I force myself to end my prayers with amen instead of in Jesus' name, amen, just to remind myself what is being said in John 14. Um, Jesus is saying, uh, when you pray, if you want a positive result to your prayer, then you better be praying in my will. That's what he meant by in my name. Because uh, the name of Christ, the, the person of Christ, standing before the Father to whom our prayers go, uh, needs to be in agreement with the will of the Son. All right? So um, I, I think that's the, the, the primary lesson we need to hear and, and embrace when it comes to the use of Jesus' name in our prayer life. Um, why are you adding that tag to your prayers? Sometimes it's just because it's habit, you know, and I'm, I'm guilty of that regularly. I, I'm in a habit, too. That's how I learned to pray, was 
with my parents who learned to pray from their parents, and it was always, okay, now, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in Jesus' name, amen. And so we learned to pray that way, not thinking theologically about those words. And I think we need to maybe be a little more careful in our prayer, in our, in our time when we acknowledge Christ. But, you know, like, for example, as I preach and, and conclude my, my sermon with a prayer, I want what was preached to be realized in the life of the people who heard it preached. And so I do, most of the time, add that tag in Jesus' name because I believe it's God's will, I believe it's Jesus' will that his scripture be realized in the lives of his people. Hmm. And so I'm praying in his name because he told me to in John 14. Now, when I pray over my meal, thank you for the scrambled eggs, give me a good day in Jesus' name, I think that's a little... I don't think it's it's necessarily wrong. It's certainly I don't think a sin, but it's maybe unthoughtful mm. as you add that um, to your prayers. Um, I would say, like, you know, if you're a little more conscious when you're praying about things around the table or around your you know family uh, worship time, or that there should be some thought going into using that name of Christ at the end of your prayers, and certainly there should be some education if you have young children in the house on how to do that and why you do that. And maybe if you've been used to doing it like I was raised doing it, maybe to correct that and correct it in your children. Um, but I don't, I don't think we're in, in danger of the abyss if we do that. So, <laughs> And that is... Good news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a parallel passage in First uh, John. So the same apostle writing, and he says, uh, this is the confidence, is First John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. He doesn't say in the name of Jesus there. But the same idea is there. But we are praying along the grain of God's word and doing that. His revealed will. His revealed will. That we don't need to wonder if he's going to do that. He's already said he's going to do it. We are praying along with the God who we are being conformed to the image of. And so something that we could do, um, I think I first started thinking about this when the Timothy group was going through uh, Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, and he was talking about um, the name of Jesus and how we can we can pray different we can pray that different ways. So something I'll sometimes pray is, um, Father, I pray this for the sake of your Son who died that we may have life, or whatever the case may be, just some way to intentionally grapple with the reality that it's the only way that we're coming to the Father now is through Jesus, mm-hmm. and the reason we ought to be praying for anything is for His glory. Yeah, so that could even be added. Uh, for the glory of your name, uh, for the glory of Christ, please save my neighbor. Mm-hmm. Please have mercy on my children. Yeah. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, in this, this idea of that, that phrase, in the name of Jesus, um, it's helpful to see how it's used by different biblical authors. And Colossians 3, for example, verse 17, Paul says, whatever you do in word or deed, do in the name of Jesus. What's he saying? It's obviously not a request. You're serving. You're you're going to work. You're being a dad. You're being a mom. So how do you be a mom in the name of Jesus? 
Well, you do things that would glorify Christ in your home. You know, you, you, you love your husband, you train your children, you do your job as a mom. And it's the same thing when we pray. So um, the, those things that would bring glory to Christ, and everything you do, do for the glory of Christ or in the name of Jesus. So that helps us think about the, those, you know, magical words. Um, in Jesus' name. It's not for our glory. It's not for our good. Not for our comfort. It's for Christ's glory. Mm-hmm. It actually is for our good, but not for our comfort and, and glory. It's for His. This um, this year and probably next year, um, in my morning prayer times, um, I'm starting off uh, by working slowly through the Valley of Vision and a prayer I've been camping out on for the past couple of weeks because it's it's right where uh, I'm dealing with some spiritual struggles is a prayer toward the beginning called Christ, or it's called the all good, the all good. And it, the idea is that all good comes from the Father. And so this is going to really, this is kind of how I'm making sense of our conversation when it comes to asking God for things that we don't know necessarily, whether he wants them for us or not, but they are things that we we would ask for, you know, like the Apostle John says to Gaius in Third John, I pray that it would go well with your body as it does with your soul. He's praying for Gaius's health. Yeah, we should pray for health, but we not ought to do it idolatrously um, or as if that were the supreme good. And this Puritan author doesn't use the formula in the name of Jesus. He says, God, if it is your will and would please you, um, I would pray for comfort and blessing. But if you have plans that are at odds with mine, help me to submit to your will. And that is, that is praying in the name of Jesus. We need to bring our request to God. Even the request for our comforts. Yep. Yep. But we hold those things loosely knowing um, we don't have the, the verdict on this and we don't know what God wants. This is what we would ask. But Lord, may, may we be in line with your will, whatever it is that you give. And all of that to the glory of your name. Well, friends, there you have it. We hope that this podcast has been of great encouragement to you. Maybe this has never been a topic that you have thought about or pondered on, but I know that John and Rick have given us some food for fodder, some things to think about when it comes to our own spiritual life, what we believe as a church and what others may believe around us. We look forward to next week as we focus more in on spiritual warfare, who we're fighting why we fight, how we fight. Um, But we look forward to next week. We look forward to this Sunday as well as we gather together as a body to worship Christ the King, the one who came and sacrificially gave his life in order that we may have life through him. That's the power of Jesus' name. We look forward to being with you on Sunday, and we look forward to next week as you join us for The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day, Sun Valley, and we love you.